Amen. I think we can clap. I like that. It's a clap safe zone here. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to pull your Bible out and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. We're looking this morning at verses 12 through 18. Philippians 2 verses 12 through 18. We are six weeks into our three-month consideration of Paul's love letter to the Christians in the city of Philippi. This week, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, all the while shining like stars in the world. I'll begin reading now in Philippians 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then, you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Please pray with me. Lord God, we give you thanks for our chance to be gathered together today in this space. We give thanks for your presence here with us. And it is our prayer that this worship that we are offering to you is bringing you the glory you deserve. In these next few moments, as we turn our attention toward your word, I pray that you give each of us eyes to see just what you want us to see. Hearts that are soft and ready to receive whatever you choose to reveal and conviction that is strong so we can apply what we see and understand to the way we live every day. I pray all of these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul is discussing what it looks like to work out our salvation, working out our salvation. He begins that discussion in verses 12 and 13. But the very first word in verse 12 is that word, therefore. And as good Bible students, we all know that whenever you come to the word, therefore, it is there for a reason. What Paul's doing is he is referring back to the beginning of chapter 2, the verses that we discussed last week, and the example of Jesus Christ. And so he's saying, because of Christ's example, I want you to continue doing this in a specific way. I want you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling because of the example of Jesus Christ. But that phrase, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, it's got to be one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. And maybe it's helpful to pause at the outset and consider what this statement doesn't say before we consider what it does say. It does not say work for your salvation. It does not say work toward your salvation. It doesn't even say work at your salvation. In fact, if you look at verse 13, who is doing the work? God is doing the work. And if you look back at chapter 1, verse 6, where we talked about this work inside of us that will be carried on to completion, who is doing the work there? God is doing the work. So what does this mean? 
it essentially means that God works salvation into us and we work it out. God works the salvation in, we work the salvation out. We encourage it. We work along with what God is already doing inside of us. Essentially, Paul is saying, cooperate with God's work in you. Paul says it a different way in Galatians 5. He says, stay in step with the Spirit. Every single one of us has the Holy Spirit at work inside of our lives. And we can choose to resist that work, to make that work more difficult, or we can choose to lean into that work, cooperate, stay in step with what God is doing, and that transformation that's ongoing, we will help it along in our cooperation. But what about this fear and trembling business? Is that the part you noticed when we were talking about that phrase? I didn't really sign up for fear and trembling when I decided to believe in God. And, and what is that supposed to mean? In fact, in the book of 1 John, we're told that perfect love drives out all fear. And, and so is Paul really saying that we're supposed to tremble in the presence of God? I don't think so. I do think, however that the most simple explanation is that we are to work out our salvation with utmost seriousness. We're not supposed to be casual about this. We're supposed to realize that once we choose to believe in God, once we choose to live in the Jesus way, that it's going to be work. We're going to roll up our sleeves. And God is the one empowering all of that, but we are stepping aboard a process that will be lifelong. And we want to participate in it. We want to stand in awe of what God's doing inside of us, but to cooperate every step of the way. That's what it looks like to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And the goal in this, Paul says, in verses 14 and 15, is that we will be shining like stars in this world as a result. Paul starts these next verses with two practical commands. He says, don't grumble, don't argue. Pretty simple, right? And the Christians in Philippi, when they heard this, right away would think of the nation of Israel. They were famous for arguing, famous for grumbling. If you think back to the Exodus, Paul rescues them from Egypt, and they have no sooner crossed the Red Sea than the grumbling begins. Why on earth are we out in the wilderness? Why on earth would God bring us here to let us die? And that grumbling continued for 40 years until they finally were led into the promised land. Paul is saying, do not be like they were. Live in unity together. Be the united body of Christ in this world so that you can become blameless and pure, which is part of working out our salvation, so that we can live as children of God in this world who represent our Father well. The contrast to grumbling and arguing is our call to be without fault in this world, claimed by Christ, undergoing transformation by the Spirit, and we do all of this amidst a warped and crooked generation, Paul says. Older translations said a depraved generation. And I'm glad that they've taken that word out because this isn't a judgmental statement here. It's rather a proclamation that we live our lives and we undergo our transformation in faith among people who are yet to be transformed among people who have yet to meet Christ and yet to understand the, the draw that we have felt of the Holy Spirit's work in us and in the world. And so we do all of this among people who need what we have. And that is what helps us to shine. Because this world can be so dark, Christians will shine like stars. And notice when Paul says that, it's a statement, not a command. 
We're not being told, work on your shining. We're not being told, you'd better learn to shine better in this world. What we're being told is, as the transformation is taking place inside of us, it will cause us to shine. Because we're in a world that is so desperately in need of that light. One translation says, shine among them like lights in the world. And I like that image. It's not us shining lights in people's faces, but it's more the image of a lighthouse. Uh, just contrasted by the darkness around it, but proclaiming hope by its very existence. In verse 16, Paul says, holding firmly to the word of life. We shine like stars when we cling to what we know is true, and that word of life that Paul is talking about is the scriptures, the gospel story, the Jesus way of life. And if you notice something, you'll see that nowhere does Paul tell the Philippians to flee this generation or to judge the people. Instead, he says, we will shine like stars simply because of the hope that we hold on to. I think this is really holding in front of us a, a vision for winsome living. Winsome living. I was listening this week to Marcus Watson's podcast, and he has an excellent interview of Ruth Haley Barton. They were talking about Sabbath in this particular episode, and Ruth was sharing a story from her childhood. Her parents were very into practicing Sabbath, but Ruth was being honest and saying it was miserable. It was this legalistic practice, and really what Sabbath meant when they were practicing it was all the fun stuff you'll want to do, you don't get to do, because it's the Lord's Day. It's not your day, it's the Lord's Day. And so she talked about that legalism being so disappointing to her that she had no interest in practicing Sabbath for years and years and years once she was grown. But then one day she decided to begin practicing this. She began viewing Sabbath as a gift from God rather than a legalistic requirement. And she was very careful when she did to not force her own children to do that same practice. She didn't want them to have the same experience. And so she said, I set about practicing this in a winsome way so that my kids could see what a gift it was and that they'd be attracted to it because of the way that I lived this out in front of them. And sure enough, she said, after a couple years of doing this, the kids began to see that she was the best version of herself on the Sabbath, that it was the most enjoyable time to spend time with mom when she was in the midst of her Sabbath, that she would cook the most enjoyable food during that time. And eventually her kids actually came to her and said, mom, we want to do this with you. We want to practice Sabbath as well. And it was such a beautiful story for her to tell that in a winsome way, practicing this beautiful gift that came from God was what drew her children in and made them want more. The same is true for us. We have this opportunity every single day to live winsomely in this world, shining like stars, dispensing the same grace that has blessed us. And when we do, folks around us will see what we have. We're not fighting against the people around us. We're not withdrawing from the people around us. But when we choose this winsome living that Jesus has invited every single one of us to be a part of, we hold in front of the world the beauty of the salvation that's already been given to us. Think about that. Each new day, living in the Jesus way, shining like stars, because we display the beauty, the love, and the grace of this great God who is transforming us. What an invitation. Let's take Paul at his word. 
Let's live in this way. And let's show everyone around us the beauty of this grace. Amen? Let me pray. God, we thank you for the privilege of representing you. We thank you that the salvation you have given to us is a gift that will last us all our lives through. That it's something that we can work out. That it's something we can cooperate with. And God, we desire to stay in step with you. We desire to participate and cooperate in this transformation you are working inside of us. Your grace has set us free from fear. It set us free from worrying about eternal destinies. And instead, it's set before us each new day with new opportunities to shine as we trust in you and we walk in this Jesus way. Empower us to do that. Help us to be a beautiful picture of you in this world. I pray all of these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.